1: This show originally aired June seventh, twenty eighteen.
2: Hey mambo, mambo italiano. Hey hey mambo, mambo italiano. go no no, you mixed up a sizzlingana. All
3: you calabrese do the mambo like a crazy with a hey
2: mambo.
3: Don't wanna tarantella. Hey hey mambo, no more muzzarella. Hey mambo. Mambo Italiano, try an with the fishy
1: Thanks for joining the party on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. What a delicious show we have for you. Big Italian focus. Italian food importer and cookbook author Rolando Beramendi. It teaches us how to cook real Italian, including his recipes for extra virgin olive oil cake and a no-crust pizza. We have Connecticut lawyer Carlo Forzani. He's inherited his family's ancestral home in a region of Italy where I've led a food and wine tour and I think is one of my favorite places in Italy to be, in Piemonte. It's gorgeous. And because it's located, his family vineyard, in this prized wine area, he's going to start producing wine there for us, for the international market, and I don't know about you, but it puts a chill up my spine because don't we go by those grapevines all over the place and say, oh, I'd like to be doing that. And our new Southwestern food correspondent, Alex Province will be joining us regularly, including today, from his home base in Phoenix, Arizona, to teach us as he learns how to cook and drink Southwestern. Alex is connecting with us from our sister public radio station, KJZZ in Phoenix. Alex, I can't tell you how much it means to me to have all of us to have you back at the table with us.
0: Oh, thanks, Faith! So oh, good to yeah. that. Yeah. Welcome back. All right, here you go. Guys.
1: Alongside <laughs> with Alex, my food buddies are here as always at the Big G, the Professional Culinary Education Training Kitchens at Gateway Community College in downtown New Haven. Our Faith Middleton Food Schmooze Studios are here. Chris Brosberry and Mark Raymond—they're here. Uh, and also senior producer Robin Doyen-Akin and, as I mentioned, Connecticut lawyer and winemaker Carlo Forzani, who's brought us wine and he made his food. Hey, everybody. Hey, Hello. Hello. hey Hi. can I tell you something? Here is two people who listen to the show, Ed Bonham Lee and Tom Griggs knocked on the door of our studios, and they said, hi, we're listeners, and we have something for you. We were traveling, and we tried this in a Manhattan, and the bartender explained it to us. This is a product from Britain. They said, we went so crazy over this. I said, why? And they said, well, because we said, what drink would you like to do? And he said, I'd like to do a filthy Manhattan. And they said what? And he said a, man. filthy, a filthy Manhattan. Man. Like what a does dirty that mean? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is that what you mean? Yeah. He said, "No, I'm using dirty the new glass. rage." <laughs> <And> they- <laughs> <Dirty glass. laughs> so, so here's what happened. There is a beautiful, dark cherry that is made in England, and the company is called Filthy. And so everything they do has that name on it. These are filthy black cherries. They are phenomenal in a cocktail, whether it's a gin and tonic, a vodka tonic, a Manhattan, my favorite. Uh They're absolutely fabulous. It's from Britain, so I wanted to thank the guys. These are wild Italian Amarena stemless cherries. Amarena! Slow cooked to deliver a sweet front and a tart finish in a traditional syrup. Yum. And so there you go. Look that up. Filthy food. Thanks, Tom and Ed, Food (laughs) listeners. Okay.
3: I got a little worried there. (laughs) (laughs) Especially when Alex said dirty glass. I'm like, wait a minute. What kind of bar were they in?
1: (laughs) Okay. Um, So Alex, Carlo, please join the show as we go. We have, as you know, Rolando Barramendi talking about his food. We're going to talk about all kinds of food. So You know how, Alex and everybody, you know how we like to cruise through all the publications and see what great work our colleagues are doing and then we like to salute them if they've done something particularly well. So this time I'd like a shout out to Cook's – I always say I'm never going to say that. A shout out. (laughs) I mean it sounds – and here I am just saying it. It's suddenly in my book.
3: (laughs) Crept into all our vocabulary. I mean you just can't
1: help it. So – I salute Cook's Illustrated for this tip, and the tip comes from Ashley Anderson in Wisconsin, who said, we have here, thanks to Carlo, a wine decanter, because he brought us a special wine from Italy. It's unbelievable, one of the best wines I have ever had. So we've got, Alex, this decanter on the table, and... This is like my my water bottles at home. And I look at them and I think, how? Everybody's hand's been on it. How am I going to clean this when I get to the sink? Your hand can't fit in there. So this was a great tip. This woman said she takes a wooden spoon. And rubber bands, takes a sponge, wraps it around the end of the wooden spoon with the rubber bands, and then squeezes it into either the decanter Good or tip. the water bottle yeah. mm-hmm. because your hands can't fit down there. And then like soap and water gets all those yeah. marks off of it. And I thought that was a great tip. Yeah. That's yeah. simple, right? Alex, do you have that problem with wine decanters?
0: Yeah, and you're always afraid to stick your hand if if it breaks, it's gonna cut you as well. So I'm always cautious. It's you know, they're fragile glass.
1: And also with those long jars, I'm a jar saver, I'm like a jar hoarder. So with with the long jars that I've had I'll that have had <laughs> olives and pickles and pepperoncini, right, Carlo? Yeah. Um, and you don't have
0: to buy p- anything. You just use a sponge you already have and rubber bands.
1: Exactly. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. A bacteria-laden sponge. It's absolutely fantastic. Not a filthy sponge. <laughs> 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 <Just Okay. low-cooked. laughs> um, all right. So, Alex, I want you to tell me about. Your experience, here's what happened. Alex's husband, Matthew Bennett, was named president of Cigna Phoenix, and so they have moved to Arizona. And that's why Alex is going to be joining us often, sometimes in our studio in New Haven, but often from public radio in Phoenix. And I thought it would be really fun for Alex to talk to us about what it's like to experience for the first time Southwestern food. So we talk back and forth all the time. And so, Alex, what is it like? To what extent did you know Southwestern food? I only know it a little bit, but I like it when I have it.
0: Yeah, I grew up in Connecticut. So like you, you know, I just used to not the greatest Mexican food, but I'm trying to find, like, that thread of Spanishness, tying it in for my, my mom and my grandmother to see how Spanish influence reached out here and and using indigenous ingredients. And it kind of reminds me of, like, Italian food in a way. Like, we made enchiladas using canned enchilada sauce. And then I was like, you know, I bet you can make your own. And sure enough, you can actually make your own enchilada sauce. And I made them last night and mm. using Dried yep. anchovy chilies that you soak in water and then really turns out to be pretty easy to do. So I'm really new at this, but I'm loving it. The spices are, are cumin and a lot of lime and lemons mm-hmm. and other citruses. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they mm-hmm. just fall off the trees here. You go to your backyard and, <laughs> and, and you know, I thought of you at the grocery store because they had just this mound of blood oranges. Oh, wow. And you know oh. how we love them for cocktails. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. So... Remember uh, once I had to drive all over the place just to find one in Connecticut. Yeah, <laughs> well, here, they're they're, you know, they're all over. They're everywhere. Oh. So so it's a whole new spice cabinet for us. What's all these ex- what's flavors? Ex- it's
1: exciting what you're saying about say the ancho chilies because in say the Stop and Shop near where I live. I can get bags of these chilies that you would talk about. I can get those. I don't necessarily know what to do with them. So I'm really looking forward to you telling us. So you put, you soak them in water. Are they super hot?
0: They're not. They're different kinds. So I just use the ancho chilies because I, I know them not to be hot. And you're exactly mm-hmm. right. You open up that cellophane bag and they're kind of like a raisin in there. And then you just cut it in half with a big knife and then pull out the seeds and you put it in warm water. And then within 20 minutes, they reconstitute to almost like a, mm-hmm. ro- like a roasted chili pepper. And then, and then know, that what do you goes... do
1: with it when you're making the enchilada? Well,
0: you saute some onions with some garlic and this is kind of crazy. I use lard. So sure. <laughs> and I'm still here. So it uh <laughs> no no chest pain. <laughs> So I sauteed classic vegetables and lard and then I took the reconstituted chilies and I put them in a – I just used an immersion blender and it turns into like this – almost like a tomato sauce. Ah. And then that goes into like a heavy bottom saucepan and you cook it for 30 minutes and all of a sudden you've got this delicious enchilada sauce that I threw in with um, – again, they have all these Mexican cheeses here we don't really find back home.
1: Let me like, see if I can remember. Is it cotijo?
0: Yeah, that was one of them. And then all these creams, like sour creams as well. And I made myself these little enchiladas, and you pour this homemade enchilada sauce in, and it goes into the oven. Are you
1: using corn tortillas, and are they local, or or are you just getting them out of the supermarket?
0: Well, if you go to the supermarket here, there's a huge stand of them. And I go for the ones that have the ugliest packaging that look most authentic, right? Mm-hmm. Like instead of all the, the colored packaging, I look. Right. A and lady used...
1: in her kitchen somewhere <laughs> yeah. on a dirt <laughs> road. <laughs> That's like, yeah. what we're all looking for. <laughs>
0: you know, and pretty soon maybe I'll have Matt making, you know, I tell him we can grind our own flour, <laughs> corn. And maybe Matt can make his own tortillas they after do, work.
1: They do taste incredible when you can get that real corn flavor. Can I just jump in and say that Carlo Forzani, who, as I mentioned, is a Connecticut lawyer, but also is about to go on his great adventure of bringing in uh, his own, making his own wines in the Piemonte region of Italy. I think he resonated. He's sitting here with us when I was watching his face when you said it reminds me almost about local ingredients and Italian food. It's true.
4: I love Southwestern food. And I love Mexican food. And I've always wondered what the comparison was with Italian because obviously they're not the same culture. And Alex, maybe you can speak to this, but I've always thought that southwestern food, which was crossbreeding with northern Mexican food, was la cucina povera, which in Italian is the, mm, the, the yeah. poor people's food. Yeah. It's really basic ingredients, very simply presented and wonderful, wonderfully direct food.
0: Carla, yeah. you're so right. It's exactly that. It's these simple, like, pure ingredients that speak on their own. They they don't need a whole lot done to them.
1: Right. Same as Italian food. Yeah. yeah. You Go can ahead. see that thread. So this is all across cultures when you think about it. I remember when um, Prasad Chernamula was on the show, yeah. The Indian Chef... He did a restaurant in New Haven that was a fusion, Oaxaca, of Mexican and Indian. So as I hear Alex and Carlo talking about this, I know I'm looking at Mark. I'm looking at Chris. In all these cultures, there is some overlap where you start – look at America, how we have taken certain spices and ingredients from people coming to this land, and they've all come together somehow. Okay, yeah, right? it's true. yeah, it's, it's true. It's just fabulous. It's such yeah. creative stuff going on it, when it all it, comes together.
0: The cooking ware, Carlo, you, you'll know like in Italy they use like the earthenware pots, right? Of course. And here, you know, I'm using these Mexican earthenware that not only have this sort of gentle cooking, but they also like infuse these minerals from the clay. Mm-hmm. which you see like in Spain and North Africa and Italy, mm-hmm. and you see it here too.
1: Yeah. yeah. So let me go to Chris Prosperi on that remark because I have tried to make cocovan, chicken and wine, about five billion times. And I never can make it the way it tastes in France. And I just think, what in the world is going on? Finally, I talked to – who knows if this is true? But I talked to a a Frenchman, a very good chef, and he said to me, what pot are you using? And I said, I'm using Lala. And he said, well, you need to have a tin-lined copper pot. Wow. And I said, Mm. what would copper? And he said, well – that's what comes with a tin lining. I said, are you telling me the tin somehow flavors, flavors the interior? <laughs> and he said, with the wine up against it, sure. yes, it does. So uh-huh. what did I yeah. do? Did I went out and I bought yeah. a tin lining. And line. did that work? Copper pie. Absolutely, See? it did.
3: Sense of place. Amazing. Right? Yeah. That's yeah. what it is. It's that's sense it. of place. You know, the pots that they use, the spices, everything that they do in a certain place gives the food its own, right? Its own thing. Can I jump
4: in? Um, Kylo, in March oh. in Italy, because I've always wanted to make a coco van,
3: even though I'm Italian.
4: Uh, I, I want to make an Italian version of Cocoa van, mm-hmm. but I went to my local butcher there and he told me to buy a rooster. Yeah.
3: Right? Exactly. Completely that's different. traditional.
4: The yeah. rooster was unbelievable. Mm-hmm.
1: It had a deep, deep yeah. flavor. Yep. Yeah. And More the, gamey. And, and, but yeah. Chris, in the old days, and Alex knows this from Spain, you know Mark from Argentina, they would put a rooster, little rooster blood into the dish. And mm-hmm. what happened after years was you would see some versions of this where they would say add dark cocoa. Mm-hmm. And I thought dark cocoa? In Mexico. Well, These weren't in in some French. restaurants. I was like, yeah. what? To and replace then the they blood. said wow. replace the blood. They were yeah. trying Gives to get that, that richness. dark note. Yeah. So and, it's and, like and, blood and it sausage is. in Scotland. Same thing. Yeah. yeah.
3: And it is made with an old chicken or an old a rooster. A tough old yeah, chicken. Yeah, a tough right? old. And, <laughs> and that rooster. has a totally different flavor than a young bird. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Who's resonating to (laughs) Tough Old Bird? That's us. (laughs) (laughs) I think Mark Mark
4: isn't
5: in that
1: club yet. I don't know about that. Close behind us. (laughs) Tough Old Bird. Okay. Um, So here's what's going to happen. I can't wait for this. We're going to be talking with the Italian chef Rolando Baramendi, and you'll see why he's amazing. He has a book called Authentico. Cooking Italian the authentic way. And we have a local person, Carlo Forzani, who is a lawyer in Connecticut, family law, and he has made us a feast of his Italian dishes and also brought in an array of wines for us to try, some available in Connecticut. But he wants us to know what he intends to do with the vineyard he has inherited in the Piemonte region of Italy if you've ever had a dream like this and when I tell you the wine he brought in that he intends to duplicate exactly it's one of the best wines I've ever had in all my life so I am rooting for this guy to succeed. (laughs) right, that's what's going to happen plus who knows what you know this show, it's always a surprise more mouth-watering conversation and fun here on The Food Schmooze please don't go away Life is just a bowl of cherries So live and laugh at it all
3: Life is just a bowl of cherries
1: That's right, just don't make it serious Life is too mysterious Yes, you work You
0: work and you save and baby you work you can't
1: take nothing with you when you go, go, go you're listening to a rebroadcast of the faith middleton food schmooze this show originally aired in June
3: 2018 bees and culprit bees and culprit bur
1: I'm Faith Middleton. Thank you so much for listening to the Food Schmooze. We don't care whether you listen to the show in small bites or eat the whole thing. We're just glad you're here. Here's who's with me, my food buddies. We have Chris Prosperi, chef and co-owner of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut. Our wine guy, Mark Raymond, you hear him introducing us to all kinds of incredible wines. Earlier, that rosé, that summer rosé called 11 Minutes. We have Alex Provence joining us from Phoenix Public Radio. He's senior contributor on the show, and he is now in Phoenix on a regular basis, sometimes visiting us in the studio in New Haven. He's in Phoenix right now, and he's introducing us to Southwestern food and wines like he always does, but we're just so excited to have Alex with us this time. And we have Carlo Forzani who is a family lawyer and is um just an amazing home cook and it's got a vineyard, he inherited a vineyard and land from his family in the Piemonte region of Italy, in which is Alto
4: Piemonte, which is
1: north high Piemonte. Even high Piemonte. Right up against the Alps. So I, I was there. And walking on the edge of cliffs and uh, tall enough so that I could pick lemons off the tops of the trees and see the mountains just beyond. That's true. It was heaven on earth. That's true. I went crazy for the wines in your region, Carlo. And the reason I asked Carlo on the show is I had heard from a friend that he was going to go to Italy and take advantage of the prime acreage that it was family vineyard and go for it big time. And start doing an international line of wines for us and other countries of these Italian wines. Carlo, I'm rewelcoming welcoming you to the show. Thank you. You brought us a wine that is not for sale anywhere. This is one of the most delicious wines I have ever had in my mouth. I went nuts over this wine. You did? Thank you. you I did. really and you Mark, you said, "Oh my god, elegant, beyond." I don't belief. think I've
5: ever seen you react that way. It's
1: it's like And I've seen you
0: react to a lot of things. Now you guys a, are making me crazy.
1: Okay, uh, let me you just You totally appreciate this. This is Alice. an a Nebbiolo, which is the grape, traditional grape from Piemonte, yes. Okay, so Carlo, this is made by your friend. It's made by my friend
4: Gianfranco Negri, who's the
1: father, and
4: uh, his son Alessandro. Negri, in my neighborhood, in my neighborhood in Italy.
1: In you know. consultation with them, you want to recreate this wine and bring it to the US and to the international market. That,
4: that's what I. That's
1: my mission. And so you are. Well, what does this mean for your your acreage in in your region? What is it called? M begins with an M. Well, we're in Alto your Piemonte. T- yes,
4: be- and Alto Piemonte has two or three. Uh, legal classifications of wine, uh-huh. we are in the one called Brahma, which means if you watched under the Tuscan sun, you know that uh-huh. bramara means to long for, and terra means land, so it 's longing life. for yeah. the land. But that is not Bramaterra. That's 100% Nebbiolo.
1: So this is actually hard to find, Well, almost yeah. impossible, to find from Italy 100% no, Nebbiolo, you, right? No,
4: you can find it. You can find it in Valtellina, which is above Lake Como, and you can find it in Barbaresco and Barolo, the famous regions uh, two hours right. south of
1: me. That's right. So this wine that I'm so crazy about, and Alex, you and Mark in particular, this is 100% Nebbiolo. How do you duplicate this? You grow
4: the Nebbiolo. You tend it with love and obsessive compassion and craziness, Uh meaning you remove all the grapes that are not perfect as as the summer goes on. And then by the time you reach late September or early October, you're left with only those grapes that are as close to perfection as
1: reality can make them. This is what your friend is doing to make this home-bottled right. Right. wine. He
4: does what the commercial producers called a green harvest. As the summer goes along, he harvests the grapes and they're green, meaning he cuts them out and he throws them out. He throws them in the vineyard.
0: Expensive thing to do, right? Very. Yeah.
4: But that's what the great Barolo and Barbaresco producers do. We all know in the wine business that wine is made in the vineyard. Great wine is made in the vineyard, not in the cellar. Right. Because in the cellar, you're going to keep things as simple as possible. If you're smart. If you're smart. And if you want to make truly great wine, you're not going to mess with nature. Right. It's in the vineyard where you tend the grapes and you cull them and you get rid of all the grapes that aren't perfect. And you just throw them down in their fertilizer for the next summer. Mm. And then you're left with perfect grapes. Can
0: someone describe the wine to me? What's it look like?
1: Well, um, this is a, a, a label. Is this sold in the region? It's not sold. It's just it's family, family and friends,
4: and he sells a few bottles. Oh but, um, Alex, this is Nebbiolo in purezza, in purity. It's just like a great Barolo or Barbaresco. That's what it's like. But it's
1: from oh, – like You look the, at the
5: color and you're thinking, wow, this could be just, Grand Cru Pinot Noir. This yeah. is one of well. the
1: best – if this had been a Barolo, I would just go insane. I, I mean, honestly, I just – at the end of it, Alex, I was saying, what can I do? Yeah. How can I – do I have to go there? Do I have to – what can I say to this man who's only you're made about the bottle 600, out right 600 right. Bottle, <laughs> bottles of this stuff? If you – Carlo Forzani, if you can duplicate this – it will run. be an international well, we, we can, hit beyond imagining. <laughs> I hope
4: so. It's my mission and yeah. my
1: hope. Because this is – you brought this because this is your great passion, this wine right here. Right? Yes. That bottle you're holding is going to be our flagship wine.
5: <sighs> All right. That's a great start. And yeah.
1: Ken, let's see. His land is over here. Your land is right here.
4: No, my land is in the same neighborhood. Oh, so – And right. actually my land is higher than his. Uh, so that, closer that, to the sun? Well, it's yes, it's higher it's, it's got better nights, exposure, right? cooler evenings. You're right, Alex. That vineyard is at about 150, 200 one meters we high. That. Yeah. Mine are at 385 wow. meters. Is that much so better? It's a little bit better, yes. Okay. Yeah.
1: Okay, so in beer, it is possible to make every beer every year taste exactly the same. Okay. And not if anyone, not in wine. Anyone not in wine, who yeah. drinks Budweiser knows what I'm talking about. They hire people, as Chris mm-hmm. has explained from technical schools who have the ability to duplicate exactly what came the year before, the year before, for decades. Okay. So in wine, this is much, much more of a craft. So that brings me to how do you duplicate this? You have
4: the right vineyard. You prune the vines the way they need to be pruned, which is yeah, pretty it.
1: severely. Yes. You... You're willing to have waste you, yes, for the final yes, product. Yes. Okay.
4: And you're willing in in bad years I'm gonna taste this, go ahead. To declassify it. Which right. means you're not gonna call it anymore your flagship wine. You're gonna sell it, so it's not part of your label, or you're going to lower. Oh my God. The, the grade
0: right you're going to have to yeah, take all a yeah, you, you declassify second yeah. label right it's second hard label. financial decisions right. to make right right yeah. I mean, very hard not if you're trying to make the best wine it's
1: not right like, and you know what business.
4: wine is, is half passion and half finance yeah.
1: Yeah. it has passion and finance did well, you say? sure it's back you have it's to have the money
4: to, yeah. to hold out over decades
1: right what do you do I so mean Mark knows Mark talked to that I mean so you're in the midst of gathering your your people right your backers yes okay yeah, that's how it works.
5: Yeah, but we've seen all over Europe in the last few vintages that villages like Chablis have been absolutely decimated for the last three vintages. So there's it's
1: decimated wine, by right? hail,
5: and hail sure. comes yeah. through or frost,
0: frost,
5: and it, if they take 40, 60% of your crop, then yeah, guess a what? A lot of money. And they have no insurance against this. You're talking about a finite amount of Mm -hmm. product that's being made. Alex is talking about insurance. Right. And if
4: you declass, if Barolo, if if a Barolo producer declassifies his Barolo. And what's the price change? Well, the price change yeah. goes from a hundred. I mean, it depends yeah. on the Barolo, yeah. Yeah. right? But if you take a hundred twenty-five dollar Barolo, a bottle, yeah. and you declassify it, and you either sell it off yeah. at a-, a tenth the amount, or wow. you call it Nebbiolo now, yeah. Nebbiolo del Piemonte, yeah. it goes from one hundred forty dollars a bottle to twenty dollars a bottle.
0: Wow, Correct. Chris, mm-hmm. you so, you do your ooh. short ribs in Barolo, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it ends up there. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. How that's is, I use a declassified one.
3: So knowing yeah. Yeah. this,
1: Carlo, here we have a wine which doesn't have the official classification Correct. and is one of the best wines I've ever ever had. How do you make it? How are you going to make it if it doesn't have the official classification? If I had tasted this at a tasting and, I, you know, they said to me, $125 a bottle, I'd be running to raid my piggy bank. I'd be get calling my friends and saying, you want to chip in for something extraordinary? I actually yeah. think that wow. bottle
4: is worth 80 to
1: $120. Yeah. That's it's, my opinion. Are you guys
0: barrel aging it? Is, it, um, is it, it going to
1: wood? It
4: goes into wood, but it goes into very old wood so that there's not – it's not oaky at all. No. It's not an okay. Sir
0: Faith, I'm trying to I'm trying to visualize what you guys are showing up for Okay, yeah. you know what? Do so, you know
4: do you know um Mascarello or do you know um Bruno Giacosa? This is mm-hmm. a traditionally made wine like the traditional Barolos. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. aged in wood, but the wood is very large, the it's big very 500 old. liters, yeah. yes.
5: the, bolti. the big one, the They're big. Bolti. The big right.
4: bolti. Yeah, they're
1: they're 50 hectoliters.
5: Yeah, it's about as big as the as room. Rome.
1: Yeah. So, so there's a very little oak in that. You're, you're so, tasting fruit. When we were on our food and wine tour, we went to uh, Giacosa. And Alex, I know you, Mark, you know those wines. I mean, they're just gorgeous. Yeah, it's a Gercosa's great honor to be just gorgeous. But I got to tell you, I'm not kidding you, Carlo. I would have this in a heartbeat yeah, it's alongside Giacosa. Thank, Thank you both even that. more. Honestly, uh, I'm know, not kidding are, you. I
4: appreciate that because I have been drinking that for years and I have been telling – Alessandro and his father, Gianfranco, that this compares with some of the best Barolos I've had,
1: mm-hmm. and they laugh at me,
4: you know. Uh-huh. But yeah. it does.
1: Yes, so so you're going to work together, shall we say? We're gonna, we're going I'm going to make that. You're going to make that. I'm work so fast, excited. <laughs> I know. Work fast. Work hard. Get those. Get well, those there, there is
4: some lead time. You notice that's a 2012. That's yeah. six years ago.
1: So, yeah. how, so that's another thing, how long it has to sit in a cellar, right?
4: Or? Yes, it depends on what you're making. But uh, for Brahmatera, it has to sit there for uh, 18 months at least. For a Reserva, 36 months. Wow. Three wow. years.
5: Now, now, Carla,
0: there's also like fun wines that you can go and you can just walk over to your neighbor's house and they'll, they'll fill you a jug, right? Sure. And there's also the simple like farm wine that's fun to There
4: make. is. That's called vino Scholte, which means loose loose wine. And you bring your jug and they fill it up for $10, 12, yeah. 12 euros. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Alex and I always talk about the fountains in certain places in certain countries where instead of water, you'd bring your jug and there is wine <laughs> <laughs> pouring out of the fountain. I, know I it- have not seen that, but in the movies maybe. We'd <laughs> have a bench there too, right? It sounds like an adult <laughs> bedtime story, I know. But no, I'm serious. And there some places they do mm-hmm. it for tourism. So yeah. may you do that too? And <laughs> yeah.
5: Really- <laughs> <laughs> and invite us. Yeah,
0: you we're all welcome to my plan. house in
4: in Masserano.
1: <laughs> uh, Thank you. Oh. I would, you know, there's a lot of weeks oh. in the year. How many bedrooms do you have?
4: I have three,
1: oh, but there's.
4: I'll tell work. you, in, in Maserano, there are B and B's. Beds. Th- there are B- wonderful yeah, B
1: <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Agriturismo. Agriturismo. No, seriously, what a fun thing. When are you going to start this? You need to see how things come together, correct? I do. But yeah. um, we're probably going to plant our
4: first vineyard either this fall or next spring 2019.
0: All right. Are you trying to be Can as you, organic oh, as awesome. possible?
4: Yes. Now, whether I'm going to be certified organic is not the important issue. The important issue is whether we're going to do things without chemicals and natural.
0: It's your land, so you're going to love it and take care of it.
4: Yeah, and, you know,
1: it's like my vegetable garden. It's all organic. It's all sustainable. It's all nature. I'm so thrilled to hear you're going to do something as wholesome as possible. And thank you for bringing this wine to the show because this is such a rare experience. My pleasure. Thank you. And to meet you and to hear Mm. about what you plan to do is just a thrill. Thank you. You It's a thrill for me. May you be a a big success with this. (laughs) Thank you, Faith. Thank you. Thank you so much. Carlo Forzani, family law practitioner who lives in Torrington, Connecticut. We're just we're obviously cheering him on. You know us on the show. We love the local. Coming up in the next segment of the show, we have Italian food importer and now cookbook author, Rolando Beramendi. Ina Garten has done an introduction to his book because she believes in what he does so much. It's called Authentico. Cooking Italian the Authentic Way. And where do you hear the voice? Um, a big, big Italian show. That's coming up next, so don't go away. ¶¶ You're listening to a rebroadcast of the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. This show originally aired in June 2018.
3: Because you like Italian food, baby Because you like the real good wine, oh yeah I promise to share my home. I will fly
1: you to Rome one day. I'm Faith Middleton. Thank you so much for joining us here on The Food Schmooze. Maybe you're just jumping into the show. Perhaps you've been listening for a while. Here is what's going to happen. We have an author, Rolando He has done a cookbook, and it's called Authentico. He lives in San Francisco, in Florence, Italy, and New York City. Okay, so he's one of these international guys, but the best part of this man, besides his love of Italian food, because the book is fabulous, but the best part of this guy is when people come up to you in Italy who are doing something exceptional, and it's kind of small, and you just think, why can't I take back with me this hazelnut producer? or? This man, Rolando Baramendi, helps those people bring their product to America, even though it's not, you know, Heinz or something like that. So that, this is how we get to taste the jewels of Italy. So um, I'm especially excited about him. And by the way, Ina Garten, our friend on the show, has done the foreword for this cookbook because years ago on the east end of Long Island, Rolando walks into Barefoot Contessa, Ina Garten's store, and says, I want to show you these things, and she orders wow. everything oh and God. says, oh, my God, we have to have this, we have to have that, John, awesome. do you? We're having everything you're bringing, I'm, I'm doing. So they have remained uh, good colleagues. So, Rolando Baramendi, welcome to the Schmoose.
2: Thank you very much for having me, Trey. It's an honor. Uh,
1: well, for us, too. I just wonder, when you say in your book that you want to help us, as you do, to cook real, authentic Italian, what is the secret to that? Not as if there's one secret, but what is that about? And can we do this here when we don't have the same soil and sun and water affecting the original product?
2: Well, I think, it, for me, I see it as, as shifting the attention from what you want to eat to what you have in your pantry and what you, you know, making it with the best ingredients possible. So for me, cooking with high-quality olive oil or very good ingredients is paramount because you will immediately taste the difference if you're using more industrially produced products. So ingredients is the number one. And then the second one it would be just like, when you are in Italy you you have a plate of pasta with maybe two to three ingredients. I think that we tend to complicate things too much. When the conversation crosses the Atlantic, it just seems to me that also because of all the wonderful chefs and, and the way that people want to be ooh and ah, you know, in America, we we tend to complicate things too much. Whereas when you are eating in Italy, it's just basically spaghetti with Crust pecorino, and crushed pepper. And that's it. Yes, You don't need to put more on that.
1: Well, I want to thank you especially for allowing us to take several of our favorite recipes from your cookbook and put them on our food site. And I'm mentioning this right now because I want to focus on a recipe that is a prime example of what you just said. And it's at foodschmooze.org right now. now. Listen to this. Three ingredients. Shaved fennel. Porcini, mushroom, and pecorino. Great combination. Great combination. Mm -hmm. So
5: delicious. Ah, Fabulous.
1: Really. So fennel bulbs that are sliced, A porcini mushroom sliced, pecorino cheese... In pieces, extra virgin olive oil, the juice of a fresh lemon, a little bit of parsley, a little bit of mint leaves, a little uh, sea salt, and some um, black peppercorns. So mm-hmm. how does this come together, and how is it an example of the, what we have in Italy? You know, this simple, simple salad, and you look at each other, and you say, this is unbelievable. So tell me how it comes together.
2: I think that that is a prime example of what we should be eating. I think that we we have forgotten how to chew. And I think everything is becoming too much of a homogeneous bite after bite. Uh, Whereas if you use a nice, sharp chef's knife, you slice the fennel all irregularly, you slice the pecorino, which should be nice and sharp and very old and crumbly almost. And then as well, the, the porcini mushrooms, which they give that wonderful, you know, woody, Taste to it all. Mm-hmm. Some fresh oil and the cracked pepper and the salt. It just it bursts in your mouth. As it jumps and every bite will be different, one from the other.
3: That's the best part. So yeah, he's I right. Think that
2: we always had some some leftover vegetables and for the whole, the, those four recipes that I put in Autentico, which means to saw, is you usually use a sharp bread knife or a chef knife. You can make combinations of whatever you want in each season. So what I did is is try to teach you into trying to make your own combinations as well.
1: Well, this is Carlo Forzani on the show. You're, you know, your family's from Italy, Piemonte region, and you're hearing this and you just made us a feast, a banquet. And these were simple ingredients, but so, their food was so delicious. And I can see you, Perking up listening well, to
4: this. Yes, and, and I'm perking up Rolando because you know the phrase in Italian, uh, si sposano? It si sposano in Italian means uh-huh. they marry each other. And that recipe that Rolando's talking about, it marries, you know? And, and I see yeah. Chris over there. Yeah, it, totally. it means two ingredients that were met by destiny to be together. Because each one points <laughs> up the other. Right? And so if you make something where they marry each other, you don't need anything more to complicate it. You just want to
1: go to the wedding. So <laughs> So you, so you know when you go into a certain – that's beautifully said. When you go into a certain Italian restaurant, I would tend to be with a recipe like this kind of northern Italian to me. It it's is. very yeah. simple. Well, it's clean. A few beautiful ingredients. Um, that it Wollanda, could be Pugliese, cool, though, yes. You know. It could, yes? Okay, so, so they, ha- they put the salad down in front of you, and you're not sure whether to order. You think, okay, I'll try the fennel salad. And here it is, just these three ingredients with a little olive oil and fresh lemon some mint leaves, and you go crazy. It's, it's just so fabulous, these simple ingredients when they're good ingredients, like Rolando says. Uh,
4: yeah. The other thing I want to say is, and Rolando, you said this, cooking is going to market. If you don't have good ingredients, you don't have good food. So marketing is yeah. everything to me, and I have a huge garden, by the way, because I have to have ingredients Not that were me.
1: picked today. Let me jump in and ask you people, you know, if we have right now listening to us, people who are, have incredibly busy lives, they don't necessarily have gardens. You know, they're going to a supermarket. And they're doing their best. They can't always go to a farmer's market just down the road. I try to as much as I can. So, Chris, oh. how do we translate this? Can we do it anywhere? Yeah, we
3: can because a lot of our markets use stuff from local um, farms now. So oh, right yeah. now, I yeah. would do this salad, would cut it just like he said. I'd I'd find a nice bulb of fennel, fresh asparagus, slice it thin like he said, and, uh, and the pecorino cheese. And boom, you have a salad. You can always find mm-hmm. something to shave right. and make this salad with Mm -hmm. and right now asparagus shave the asparagus lengthwise on a little mandolin mandolin. it'd be heaven
5: or even if you don't have a mandolin take your um, potato peel and just slice it down
1: (sighs) The Good asparagus, idea. and you with, get that nice with thin slice. And the
3: pecorino as well.
1: Yeah. yeah. All right, so the book is called Authentico. You will see this on our website with his recipes, Cooking Italian the Authentic Way. I think you can hear the spirit of how this works. Now, Rolando, sit and listen to this part because we asked Chris if he would make your recipe that we have on the website, pizza without crust. I was very excited about this. <laughs> I felt like I'm, a I'm kid like again. A so it was delicious. So, Chris, walk us through fast. How did it come together?
3: Uh, so a good tomato sauce, you can use his or use whatever you have. You know, just a really good, simple, fresh, fresh tomato sauce. And then salt and pepper. Fresh basil, bring that up to a simmer. And once you got that to a simmer, you cut buffalo mozzarella or regular mozzarella into chunks or strips. You put that in the tomato sauce until it gets just to the point where it's melty and starts being stretchy a little bit. Mm -hmm. Then you just bring the pot right to the table with fresh ciabatta bread. You can do olives, anchovies, uh, oh. pepperoncini peppers, just have on the side. It was so and you good. dip the bread, right? Or you spoon the sauce over the bread. And the cheese. Uh, and the cheese. Oh. And then you put a little olive on it or anchovy. I'm a sweeping and We could have my... just done that all day, right? Sweeping oh. my... yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm eating my notebook over here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Alex. And, and you know, I put it on the, <laughs> the stove and I'm like, I put too much tomato sauce and we're never going to eat that much. And you know what happened. Yeah, right, sure. It it was all gone, every drop. Yeah, Yeah,
1: Yeah. honestly, it was just so, so good. And it's so easy
5: to share with people. You know, I could totally see that with a a group of kids at the table before a dinner, before a bigger (sighs) dinner, or just something that you want to pick on for a snack in the afternoon.
1: Mark, your wife Mary is from Argentina. You're Italian. You have Spanish in your background. This is so much about this International way where you've got a bowl of something delicious and you're sweeping your bread through it mm. and it's like this topest Family little style. taste of something and delicious. It's not about – when I think about the artists um, of old standing around with a little pot of spaghetti on the stove, no fussiness. Just a quick homemade sauce, a bunch of noodles, this bowl of this delicious sauce, and just a loaf of bread.
5: And along that point, if you're looking for a a way to get the kids to stay at the table for a little while, because how many times do they come to the table, eat their meal, and they're gone? You know, you put this out. And now everybody's got bread, and everybody's got to kind of sit around it for a little yeah. while, and it kind of, of strikes up little conversations.
1: Rolando, yeah. what, what are you? Are you hearing this? This is what you've inspired. I,
2: <laughs> I am so happy. I can, I want to be there with all of you. Oh, I
1: know. We're <laughs> yeah, going to come see you.
2: You actually understand the feeling of what that whole recipe is all about. Yeah, yeah. It's that being authentic, that's cooking authentic food. That it brings togetherness. It brings love to the table. It brings a lot of laughter. And one of my most favorite things about that recipe is that you eat with your hands. Yeah. So there's nothing Absolutely. more beautiful than eating with your hands. Con le mani. I, I, I love it. Con so le
1: mani. See, we just did this with Carlos Food, same thing. Okay, I, I don't want to lose you. Before we get to this, I want to tell you something. There is a food site that is very popular with people And they chose, there's a great restaurateur in New York and other places, Danny Meyer, and in one of his restaurants, the number one dessert mentioned on the site was the olive oil cake. And now, unfortunately, yep. the restaurant took it off the menu. I don't know why. You know how people feel they must change <laughs> things. So when I saw your recipe for extra virgin olive oil cake, I was crazy. And I guess this is from uh, Contessa Beatrice Contini uh, Bonacossi of Tenuta di Capuzzana. Yep. Okay, and
2: yes, it is.
1: Yes. So this is her recipe. And I'm sure you have adapted it a little bit, but all-purpose flour, baking powder, baking soda, a little salt, some eggs, honey, local honey if you can, please, Uh, extra virgin olive oil, whole milk, the zest of some oranges, a little confectioner's sugar on the top, and one orange Thinly sliced into rounds. Oh, don't you want this cake? We have this on oh the website, foodschmooze.org. So um what happened when you first tasted this cake, torta di uh, Capizana?
2: Well, I think that, as you can see, I use copious amounts of olive oil throughout the cookbook. I think olive oil is the most essential ingredient in, in my food. And if you use really good olive oil, it will change the flavor of anything you make. And so the first time that I was at the Tenuta de Capetana in 1992, I think it was, I had this olive oil cake, and it was so nice. When you eat something with olive oil, you don't end up with that sort of fatty, greasy stuff stuck on the top of your palate. So it was so clean and so smooth, the, the, the texture, that I was quite taken by it. And yes, indeed, I have taken a step and played around with that recipe as Years have gone by, and what I have changed is I've changed the sugar to the honey because I'm a big honey addict, mm-hmm. and I use in the recipe always chestnut honey from Tuscany. Oh, 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 that's, that's, the, right best. So oh, wow. that's oh. the best. wow.
1: That's the best. The best. So dark.
2: Flavor to it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. the very best.
4: And, Rolando, do you have that with a little so, glass of Vin Santo?
2: Exactly. (laughs) It's perfect. And and it's wonderful if you do it on a cookie sheet like I wrote in the book and just cut them like brownies and then Uh, pop it with maybe a little bowl of ice cream. I'd like that. Uh, I like this uh, recipe. uh, Poached pizza. I I need that recipe.
3: At the beginning of the the show, we had these cherries. That's what I'm putting on it. So
1: we were given as a gift. um, A company has started in England called Filthy. And what they make is a a bunch of garnishes and drink things under the brand name Filthy. And so these are Italian Amarena cherries. But they're called filthy oh, cherries, yeah. and we, Chris was just holding nope. up the jar and saying, wow, would top. I like to put this on top of <laughs> your <laughs> olive oil. Yeah. You
4: could put, yeah. put almost anything on top of the olive oil cake because it's – Or nothing. Yeah, yeah. or nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And right. just, hotter, just hotter coffee sugar. or Vincent. More honey. Yeah. It's
1: like, I'm just crazy about this recipe, and thank you for letting us uh, put it on fuchmoose.org. I, nice. I wish I had gotten a chance to talk about your – let me just do it quickly. Your quick vegetable broth. Um, how you roast vegetables, how to do a real Tuscan ragu. And these are things without fuss. They're very simple and yet speak to the Italian tradition as you've heard Rolando talk about it. There is a focaccia with extra virgin olive oil. A zucchini tart, a kind of farro soup, mixed fried seafood, broken fresh tomato halves with uh, capers in them, spaghetti with egg, pecorino, romano, and I never say this right. Is it guanciale? Guanciale. 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 Perfect. Okay. (laughs) On and on it goes. Just terrific. So thank you so much, Rolando Beramendi, for being on the show. The book is called Authentico. But your spirit is just beautiful. Thank you.
2: Thank you for having me, Faith. And thank you to all of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hi, pleasure talking to you. Pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: Please remember, never eat more than you can lift. In New Haven, I'm Faith Middleton. Come to mind.